Good morning. Good to see you here today. Glad to see you. Let me remind you if you have a prayer request, if you'll raise your hand and who, who's doing it? You doing it? You doing it? Chris doing it? We have a, we need to, uh, a reminder that we still need greeters for this service. The sign-up sheet is on the back table. Also, a reminder, if you didn't pick up a prayer ca uh, calendar, there's, there's, I'm sure they're back there on the table. They are. Katie's just pointing. Um, Paige has an announcement. Paige, give your announcement. Okay. Um, so I'm really excited because we have our tickets on sale for Ellen's birthday party. And if you don't know what I mean when I say Ellen's birthday party, who is Ellen? We don't have any Ellens. Yeah, we do. But this is different Ellen. So Ellen is the child we're sponsoring through Compassion International. Um, and her actual birthday is on March 15th. And so we decided to do a fundraiser on her birthday and call it her birthday party. Uh, what we're going to do at this birthday party is have cake and ice cream, which is the most important thing, but also raise funds for Ellen. Um, we've committed to support her until she's 18, um, and so we need to make the money. We'd like to set up a fund for her so that the money can just be sent to her. And so we hope to make a big portion of these funds at her birthday party. Uh, what we're going to have is we're going to have dinner for you guys. Uh, we're going to have a silent auction, and there's going to be some time of worship um, led by some of the band. It's going to be really, really awesome. Me and Katie and everybody on staff is really excited about it. Um, and so the tickets are $5, and like I said, they're on sale in the back with Katie. Um, but if you want one after the service and you forgot to get one this coming week, you want one, you can contact me or Katie and we can get you one. And there's also T-shirts. Um, we've made these T-shirts for Ellen. They say Ellen's Birthday Bash, and they've got, you, they've got the um, country Africa on the back and a little heart where she lives, which is in Uganda. And so they're really cool. Um, but yeah, don't, we only have a limited amount of them, so go ahead and get one now before they run out. Um, so yeah, get with Katie or me if you'd like to buy a ticket. Will you stand and sing with us?
and pray with me. Gracious God, we know that you do love us, and it does make our hearts sing for you and sing your praises and your glory. We are so thankful for this Lenten season, and as we look toward Good Friday and Easter Sunday, help us to keep our focus where it belongs and to look for you moving in our lives day to day. Be with us this morning and make us one as your church as we come together to praise and worship you. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you would turn to your neighbor and greet them, and children, come forward for the children's sermon.
Good morning. How is everybody? There was a time when you could walk the streets of a city and hear the voice of a newspaper boy cry out, extra, extra, read all about it. Have you ever seen that on TV or heard anybody do that? No. Well, he called that out to get the attention of people who were passing by so that they would come to him and buy a newspaper. And that was the way they spread news a long time ago. So if we don't hear that or see that today, how do we spread the news? How do you know what's going on in the world around you? Okay, how do we get that, though? You're right. That's the most common way that we probably all get the news is by our TV. But there are also other ways like newspapers or radio or our computers. Right. Well, you're right that probably the main reason we get it today um, is by watching the television. But no matter how we get our news, it's important for us to know what's going on in the world around us. Well, did you know that Jesus himself was in the news business? Have you ever thought of it like that? No? Well, the Bible says that Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Listen to what he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus want, wanted everyone to know the good news of God's love for them. So how do people get that good news of God's love for them today? Do you think they get it by newspapers or radio or TV? Maybe, but what's the best way, Emma? Do what? Yeah, but how do we tell other people that news? How do we share what's in our heart? Exactly, by telling them. So the best way to spread the good news of God's love is the same way as it was in Jesus' day. It's for me and you to tell others about it. So you and I can be just like that newsboy standing on the street corner who cried out, extra, extra, read all about it. Because we can say, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news that God loves you. Will you say our prayer with me this morning? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, may we follow your example and share the good news of God's love with everyone we meet. Amen. I saw Bobby. Bobby, are you in here? Yes, and Bob, there you are. Stand up. Let everybody see y'all made it safe and sound from the Holy Land, and we're happy to, to know that you did. And I understand you're starting a Bible class, a study tonight, right? Is it tonight? Okay, y'all, y'all might if you don't know about that. Five thirty in the social hall. I want you to um, also remember in your prayers today, uh, Eloise Hendricks family, that's Patsy Farmer's sister-in-law. She's a member of our church, she was shut in, she passed away, and her funeral is tomorrow at Woods Mortuary. 
an obituary is now on their site. Let us bow our heads. Oh Lord, your mercy, hear our prayers. Oh Almighty and merciful God, you have saved us from oppression, sin, and death. And we, those who are redeemed, come before you this day in praise and thanksgiving. You established a covenant with us, given in your word. And as a sign, you set a cloud in the cloud, a rainbow. And whenever we need assurance, we may find it. And yet we must confess, O oh Lord, that we give in to temptations. We, we seek to trust in everything but you. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, that you would help us again and show mercy to us and forgive us and uphold us by your Spirit and allow us to once more brush ourselves off from the sin that surrounds us and become those people you would have us to be. We're reminded this day that of the frailty of life. And we know and care for many this day who are, con who are confronted with uh, sickness or disease or troubled minds or spirits. And so we pray this day especially uh, for friends who are in the ICU and rehab that they may find have healthy and quick recoveries. We pray for Jamie's continued healing. We pray for those that need guidance that they may filled with the Holy Spirit. We pray for the Eloise Hendricks family. We pray for Dean Price. We pray, O oh God, and thank you for your many blessings uh, for the trip and the safe return of those who made the pilgrimage. And we pray this day for little Ellen in Uganda. We pray that she'll be happy child, and we pray that our efforts to help her will be successful, and we pray that she'll be ever, be ever touched by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Christ's name, and as he taught us to pray, saying these words, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we begin Lent. That's why the colors have changed. And, uh, and so, as I promised, we are going to look in order at the seven last words of Jesus on the cross as we journey to Lent. And so, you'll find this reading in Luke uh, chapter 23, verse 33 through 34. Give attention to the reading of God's Word. And when they came to the place called the Skull, there they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you 
as we begin this Lenten journey to give us the strength to go along with you to see and to hear the price you paid for us. And may we, at the end of this Lenten journey on Easter Sunday, rededicate our lives uh, to being the disciples you'd have us to be. We pray in your holy name. Amen. The first word is a word about forgiveness. Forgiveness. The first word. It begins in this prayer, this petition to the Father. And it's the first thing I want you to notice is that the petition was to the Father, addressed to the Father. Now, none of us, none of us will ever go through what Jesus experienced on the cross. But nevertheless, Jesus' example is instructive to us that no matter how severe our trial or crisis may be that we might face in our life, we must never lose confidence in our relationship to the Heavenly Father. We must always stay connected to the Heavenly Father. That is the way we get through tough times. That's the way we live. Hebrews 12, 9 says, Let us submit to the Father of our spirits and live. So it began with an appeal to the Father. Now the second thing you've got to see immediately about this prayer and in, in the context of Jesus on the cross when He spoke this is that the petition, the prayer, is not for Himself. Now it is true that later on Jesus does pray for Himself uh, in His lamenting cry. But here in this first word, there is no mention of Himself. It is, Father, forgive them. Jesus does not think of Himself at all in this first word. And you know, you would expect a person, especially one experiencing excruciating pain and knowing that his death is certain, might have first thoughts for himself. But Jesus' first concern is for others. This should be our example. We should look to others before we look to ourselves. And many, many in this world are suffering far worse than we are. And they need our help in prayer. You know, Jesus gave us the commandment that sums up all the commandments, really. The one about love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And, but so many in our time, I think, have reversed it. It's love yourself first and then your neighbor. And that's wrong. And it's important for us to once again remember how Jesus acted, even under great distress and duress. Jesus' petition, His first words out of His mouth after being hung on the cross is a prayer of forgiveness for the undeserving. You note it too that it's not a prayer for those who've done something to Him in the past. Uh, I just recently was thinking about something that someone had done to me in the past and, and I prayed a prayer and asked for their, for their forgiveness but also asked that I'd quit remembering it <laughs> and I'd keep, I would let it go. But this is not a prayer for those who might have wronged Jesus along the way. 
This is a prayer for those who are in the very act of harming Him in the present tense. Jesus prayed for them while, while His own blood was still fresh on their hands and on their clothes. While they were still standing at the foot of the cross and looking up at Him, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Jesus gave us the example of how a martyr should die. Recently I read that those poor Egyptian Christians who were beheaded in the Middle East, each one of them was given the opportunity, is what the report said, to renounce their faith and their lives would be spared. And not one of them did. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The people murdering Jesus that day did not deserve His prayer. On the contrary, they deserved His curse. They did not ask Him to pray for them. In fact, they probably scoffed and laughed and mocked when they heard Jesus praying. And yet, this text teaches us that Jesus prays for those who neither deserve His prayer nor ask for it. And it's important for us to remember that there are none on this earth who deserve this petition of Jesus. And yet, He prays for no one on the supposition that they deserve it. Think about it. But in His great mercy, in the great mercy of the divine Creator, He prays for those guilty, undeserving enemies. And I believe that Jesus still prays for the undeserving today. And I think we should too. Jesus still prays for those who do not ask Him to pray. And so should we. We need to pray in the face of evil. We need to remember that people who are yet dead in their transgressions, those who are evil and sinful, are still the objects of compassionate prayer. Even those who scoff at the gospel, God's heart of love entreats us to pray. Jesus entreats the Father and all of heaven on their behalf that day. And I believe it's a word not just for that moment in time, but for all moments of time since when evil seemed to be victorious. You know, I, I, I'm afraid that too many people today are in the mindset of revenge instead of the mindset of forgiveness. Too many people today think that only deserving people should be the objects of God's love and grace. But the truth is, none of us are deserving of God's love and grace. But the beauty, the good news of the Gospel is that the undeserving of which we are a part the undeserving who are, the, who, who are not worthy are still the objects of God's love and grace and compassionate prayer. 
Jesus, by His first word from the cross, forever lets us know as disciples that Jesus loves those who hate Him. That Jesus prays for those who are undeserving. That Jesus prays for us all. Jesus' first word was forgiveness. Father, forgive them. No, it wasn't Father curse them or Father strike them. As I bet each of you and I myself have said at least once in regards to different things through the years. Jesus doesn't pray that. I thank God that Jesus doesn't pray that. Because we are also those that might need to be cursed or struck. Jesus asked God to forgive His executioners for His heinous act. And as hard as that is to say, that is exactly the way we should act too. For the first 300 years of Christianity, after Christ's death on the cross and resurrection, many, many, many Christians died as martyrs for their belief. Not crying out, not renouncing their faith, but died. And after all those generations, finally Christianity triumphed and spread and became the largest religion on the planet. But even today, we're once more suffering from those who want to persecute and to kill because of our belief. It's important for us to realize that if there's no other description of Jesus that we would have in our minds, this text alone should evoke adoration for Christ and worship for Christ for a, for a Savior who will ask the Father for forgiveness. Now someone might ask, why? Would Jesus do that? The simple answer is that God's heart of love and grace and mercy overrules God's mind of law and, and legalisms. But I think there might be more going on than that, and I, I want to just propose my own opinion for what it's worth. It could be that the ground or argument or plea on which his petition to the Father is based, as he looked at his executioners, what did he see in them? Is the way to go about this. What did he see in them to commend to the Father as the ground for his petition of forgiveness? What does he see in those? What do we see when we see evil? I think what we should see is what Jesus saw. Jesus saw ignorance. Jesus saw the ignorance. Jesus saw that they acted in ignorance. That they walked in darkness. They thought they were doing God a service by killing Jesus whom they took to be a blasphemer. Think about that. 
How many today who kill in the name of a God because they think they're helping that God to take care of blasphemers? You see, this is very biblical. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that the God of this age, that is the evil one, the devil, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe so that they cannot see the light of the gospel or the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Well, I believe, knowing this, Jesus... Ask God to grant forgiveness. And he says why in his prayer. If you're paying attention to this reading of the scripture, he said what? For they do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they're doing. Think about any evil that you can think of today that might have to be confronting us, whether it be locally or within our country or within our world. And you must understand that they really do not know what they're doing. And the Lord knows that. So how should we respond? To Jesus' prayer, petitioning forgiveness. I know this is tough. It's tough for me. I want to mount a new crusade. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I bet some of you want to too. And yet we must realize that Jesus from the cross and forevermore says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And to see, the bottom line is this, that some of us have been ignorant when we sinned. Some of us didn't know the implications of our sin. Lord knows, you might think because I'm a pastor, I'm some kind of perfect individual that you like to put up on a pedestal, and people love to do that. <laughs> but God knows that I have, not, I have been a sinful person and probably sinned a whole lot more than I didn't sin through the years. So I kind of glad that Jesus thinks this way. But our ignorance does not excuse our sin. Hear me. God cannot ignore our sin. God cannot ignore any sin. If sin could be ignored, Jesus wouldn't have prayed, Father, forgive them. Our sin, your sin, their sin must be forgiven. That's the only way they can exist in God and with God. But that ignorance gives us all a glimmer of hope. And I hope you can see that and understand it. The God whom we have ignorantly forgotten is willing to pardon and ready to forgive. Now, I don't usually mention uh, someone, uh, what they say, because I, I really try my best to walk a fine line <laughs> and stay out of left or right politics. But just recently, Franklin Graham, and y'all might have seen his statement, as he was being interviewed on national television, 
he pointed out the evil and what was wrong with those folks. But he then turned at the very end and said this, that they didn't have to kill and murder to get to heaven. That all they had to do was believe in Jesus Christ and they would attain the glory of heaven. And that's what we have got to keep in mind, my, my friends. We need to redouble our missionary efforts, in my opinion, in the third world, the second world, and the first world. <clears throat> the God whom we have ignorantly forgotten is willing to pardon and ready to forgive. And lest we become just like those who per perpetuate evil in this world, we must pray more fervently as Jesus did. And to remember that the gospel is this, trust Jesus Christ who prayed for and died for the guilty and you shall be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ who prayed for and died for the guilty and you shall be saved. And that is the word that must echo from us if we are to lead as Christian people. Now it may result in our martyrdom, but that must be our clarion call in the years ahead. And I hope that someday when you have to face the testing of your faith, and my friends, it will come, that you will have remembered these times here and you will be strengthened in your faith. Let us always, because we know that we are part of the redeemed, rejoice in that forgiveness that Jesus gave us from the cross that day. And let us do all that we can to tell others how they can receive that forgiveness too. Let us never fail to witness to our faith in Jesus Christ, especially in the face of denial of the faith, and especially in the face of evil. It's important to remember that Jesus' first word was forgiveness. It's the first word He gave to you and me. Was Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then He said six other phrases before He died and gave up His breath. And we'll look at each one each week in order that they were given. So I pray that as you make this journey with me, that you'll vow to be present, that you'll, be, you'll open your minds and hearts and spirits to what the Lord might say to you. But remember, the first word to you from the cross was forgiveness. Let us pray. Oh God, we live in difficult times. But we really don't live any more difficult times than, the, than when you lived. Help us, O oh Lord, to remain faithful as you did. And as all those who followed you through those centuries have. 
even up until this day. Help us, O oh Lord, to realize how important the cross is to our existence. And may we as people of the cross continue to pray. May we continue to pray, O oh Lord, that those who do not know what they do will come to realize the saving power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray in His name. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let our ushers come forward as we receive our offerings.
sing with us.